Hey there, it's Andrea. Welcome back to the podcast, Mastering Social Media for Schools. We're going to cover so much today with our guest, Janet Swichikowski. She's an APR. She's a fellow PRSA. She's got so much experience. And you guys, we're diving into YouTube. We're diving into LinkedIn. We're diving into social media strategy and tying that to your strategic goals. But all of it is super practical. You guys are going to absolutely love this. It's a little bit longer conversation, but it's worth listening to every single minute. So I'm excited. Now, before we kind of jump in to the episode, I just want to share and give a little shout out to one of our listeners, Lauren Mertz. She's the remedial reading teacher at Lincoln Elementary out in Missouri. She just emailed me. And it was the sweetest email. And I just want to share that because she said, Andrea, I listened to your February 1st podcast and I got so many good ideas. I made a to-do list and she shared her top three priorities. She was going to edit the video for the 100th day clip and post it to her timeline. She was creating flashback Friday posts and she was going to create a Lincoln alumni roll call post. Awesome. Because guess what? The reason I do these podcasts is to inspire you to actually take action. So congratulations, Lauren. She said, I just wanted to thank you for all the free content you put out. I'm really the reading teacher at my school, but I also publish the social media content for our school. I have no training in public relations, but what I've learned from you has been so valuable. Every time I listen to your podcast or presentation, I end up with pages of notes and tons of great ideas. Here are just a couple of ideas that have came from you. Um, she's done daily posts about students who receive recognition. They're called Paw Notes at Lincoln. She does a weekly faculty spotlight. She started Student Book Buzz that has gotten quite a few, uh, uh, quite a bit of positive feedback from authors on Twitter and Throwback Thursday, where she's taken some old pictures of yearbooks. Um, she gets a lot of likes and hearts on the posts. She's still working on a way to get more content. Um, she even shared a link to her Lincoln Elementary School District page. I'm going to link it in the show notes, you guys. Way to go, Lauren. Can you relate to Lauren? Like you probably are doing social media while doing another position at your uh, school. Well, if you listen, if you sign up for my newsletter, you get a lot, there's a lot of ways to get free inspiration. Um, you can make a big difference. And Lauren, keep up the great work. If you have some positive feedback, I'd love for you to leave a review on this podcast. You can also leave a review on my Facebook page, but definitely you can just email me as well. I'm going to email you back and I might just read your response on a future podcast episode. So thank you so much, Lauren. Now let's get into today's interview with Janet. I'm your host, Andrea Gribble, founder of Hashtag Social School for EDU. I am here to train you and your staff to be social media storytellers so you can stand out from other schools, celebrate your students and staff, and reach thousands in your community every single day. This podcast is for school social media managers who care about their school and community and want to keep them connected. Every week on the Mastering Social Media for Schools podcast, you'll learn simple, 
actionable strategies from top-notch guests. Their advice, along with my experience working directly with hundreds of schools across the country, will help you stop being overwhelmed and start truly enjoying your job. The School Communicator community is incredibly giving and inspiring, and this is the place to meet them. Before we get started, and we've got a lot to cover in today's interview with Janet Swichikowski, but our K-12 PR tip is just around batching video content. So taking video can be overwhelming, right? And we're thinking everything needs to be so polished, but Janet gives a great idea of just getting book recommendations from your leaders and taking a few minutes after a meeting, everybody shares a book. It's less than a minute. She was able to get 12 videos in just a short amount of time, and then she scheduled those out over the summer months, one a week for 12 weeks. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. That's, you know, great, great saying, but it does, it makes it so much easier. So think about batching video content and then able, you're able to spread it out. Uh, think about interviewing, you know, kids about, you know, maybe a favorite memory from first grade or what they're most looking forward to at the beginning of the school year and getting a bunch of videos all at once and then being able to maybe spread those out. I think batching video content is the key. So now, you're going to get a lot more tips in this interview. Let's get started. I'm excited for you to meet Janet Swichikowski. Welcome to the podcast, Janet Swichikowski. How are you? I'm fabulous. It is so good to talk to you. So yes, um, and I'm in Minnesota today, so we're both in, uh, you know, the, the home state, and the whole country right now is getting used to our kind of weather, right? <laughs> yeah. It's it's warmer in Minnesota than Texas, I think, today. I, that yeah. is so crazy, and we're above zero, and compared to a few days ago, it's like a 40-degree change, so that's that's awesome. Um, now, I mentioned the name Janice Wojciechowski. I hope everybody knows already who you are. Um, but for those that don't, why don't you just introduce, you know, yourself, kind of share your journey um, in school communications? Sure. So I think back and I started in communications more than two decades ago, let's just put it that way. Uh, and I was reflecting on how much gratitude I have for the first superintendent that I got to work for. Uh, because I started in a central office position and a clerical position, actually. And the superintendent said, you need to learn about school PR because you'll be really good at it and you can build a department for us. And I went, okay. Uh, so I had had an undergrad. My undergrad was in secondary ed and speech communications. So I love to talk and love to communicate. And Jerry Freitag introduced me to Enspra and Wispra, and Rick Kaufman, and said, learn everything you can from those sources, and totally supported my development in a career that I didn't even know existed at the time. So it was a lot of fun, and I'm always indebted to Jerry for that. So I went on, I did a couple graduate courses at Marquette University uh, in PR, and then eventually moved up to the Twin Cities, um, and I've been in the Twin Cities for about 22 years, 
and came up here, um, was the communications director for Wyzetta Schools, and then for a couple years, then jumped the lake and went to Minnetonka Schools and was there for 15 years uh, before I decided to graduate and <laughs> went to the University of St. Thomas as their AVP for uh, public relations. Spent a couple years there and really missed working with K-12. So uh, a good, long professional colleague of mine, Cindy, who owns CEL, where I am now, reached out to me and said, I really want to grow K-12. Would you come do it with me? I need another strategist. And I went, yes, <laughs> you bet. Um, so I came over here in the interim while I was in Minnetonka. I got a master's pretty late in my career. Um, in Stratcom. So it really kept me current in the digital uh, because I was back in school with a lot of younger people uh, learning the digital side and the integrated marketing communications. And then now I'm also pursuing a doctorate in org change and leadership. Um, so it's really fun, always learning and always growing. Yeah, it's amazing because I have learned so much from you and so have, you know, school PR folks across the country through your work in NSPRA and, and all of your different positions. But you like truly are a lifelong learner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I always, this is what I was thinking on my car ride today. I was like, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I will never be the smartest person in the room because I'm hanging out with all these school PR folks that have been in it for years and even people that are new, like you're always learning something new. Um, but certainly you, in what you've accomplished in your career, I mean, it's amazing. And so you, you're able to share that, but you just keep pushing the level and so, or, you know, pushing the envelope, learning new things. So now you're actually going on your doctorate and you're the vice president at CEL. So that's a, that's a lot of work as well. How do you ha find the time? Don't ask me how I balance <laughs> time. I will say that my children are adult children and they are out of the house. So that is one big piece of my life that I am only responsible for my own heartbeat and that of my husband's right now. So that makes it a little bit easier. But um, so now that you are at CEL, tell me a little bit about your role there as vice president. Yeah. So we have a team of nine here and we really focus on design, branding, content marketing, integrated communications, do a lot of website work and website conversion work. Um, about 50, 60 percent of our clients are schools, K-12. Um, so in my role, um, I am pushing the team to grow and learn and do fun, creative things. Um, but I joined CEL because it's a fun, creative environment. It is the culture that I really, really attracted me. Um, and Cindy and Chelsea, who have been with the company the longest, are such positive people. Um, so we go in and we try to fill gaps for school districts or other clients. You know, we have a healthcare client that we're their marketing agency or their intern marketing, internal marketing folks. Um, so a couple of the areas that I do specifically um, is working with strategy. So we'll talk to, we usually only like to work with decision makers so that things can keep moving uh, or communications directors. So we'll talk strategy on special projects, whether it's enrollment marketing or um, rolling out new pathways projects or curriculum or launching a new program. Um, also leadership communications. 
So one of our services is vision and focus, where we really work with superintendents on communicating their vision internally and externally, and just helping, particularly those districts that don't have communications people, um, helping them think forward, be proactive, and just get some of the the nitty gritty done uh, that needs to get done in a district in communicating. Um, And then um, working with our branding and integrated marketing strategy. So we're really jumping into a lot of digital marketing right now uh, because, of course, new parents coming in are all digital. Yeah. Um, And I'll definitely link your website in the show notes. You have a lot of different case studies on your website that kind of showcase some of the work that you do. Um, Quite a few of your clients are here in Minnesota, but do you serve schools all over or how does that work? We do. Okay. We, um, and it's so easy to work remotely now, right? Yes. We've done a lot of work with a couple of schools in Texas. Um, and we've done uh, work with private school, independent school in um, Kentucky um, and Tennessee. So a couple in um, Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, just a- as you're listening to this conversation and, and Janet and her team are excellent, um, sometimes you just need that guide too that's been there before and with all of your um, experience. Now, what school did you start out in then in Wisconsin? Franklin. Franklin, Wisconsin. Awesome. And then did did you move to another school in Wisconsin before you moved to Minnesota? No? No. Went from Franklin right to Wyzetta. Okay. Awesome. My husband got relocated up here. Okay. Well, great. That's, that's amazing. Um, so the Enspra network, you know, I reached out to Minspra people at the time and said, we're going to be moving up. And immediately that network told me where the openings were and helped me find a job. Oh, that's, that's good advice. Because I know, you know, obviously, school communications is something that you can grow in. Um, You even made the leap to higher ed, um, which is different than K-12, and you missed K-12. What did you miss most about K-12 that kind of drew you back? In K-12, as a communications director, um, number one, I always insist on being a direct report to the superintendent. Um, I need to be able to, in public relations and communications, we need to be able to think like our leaders. We need to be able to know what keeps them up at night. We need to be able to talk for them when we're in public. And so that really direct communication. And in higher ed, I learned that nobody is actually in charge. You have the president of the university that works on the operations and has no control over the curriculum, which is run by the faculty. And there were so many committee meetings and so many people that got to weigh in. If I wrote something, you know, 19 deans got to weigh in on on what it was going to be before it was done. So it took longer to get things through. Right. And, um, And I really, as a change maker and a strategic thinker, when we see an opportunity, you like to work with, uh, a more, a little more agile organization. So that was one. And the other is, you know, there is nothing more important to the future of our country than our kids. And I don't believe there's anything more important to the future of our country um, and our democracy than our public schools. And so I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk to communities who might have forgotten, you know, older people who might have forgotten what their community invested in them that we need to now pay forward and invest in the young people for the future. 
That's like a mic drop, Janet. Nothing more important to the future of our country than our children. And, you know, for you to have that as core belief, and I think all school communicators really do, um, that that just drives you in your work and your long hours and your commitment um, to be able to to share that message. So that's that's great. So we could talk about a ton of things and we, and we will uh, cover quite a bit, but obviously this podcast is specifically about social media and all of that. So you've been in communications for like you said, over a couple, two decades um, before social media was even in the picture. Yeah. So could you just share your thoughts on how social media has changed or impacted the ways that schools communicate? So there is the cliche that we now have a 24-7 news cycle and everybody's an author and publisher and journalist. And there are the negative sides. Um, but I really want to focus on the positive side. We have the opportunity to show videos and pictures and things going on and get student voice about what they're learning in school. And for the first time when social media came on, we're not only reaching those families, we're reaching grandparents. We're reaching everybody in our community when they sign on to a community board. And so I love, you know, I know it's George Kuros's quote that you use all the time, we've got to make the positive sound so great that it drowns out the negative. Right, um, right on my, my sticker, right on my water. <laughs> you guys can see it now, but um, yeah, I got that staring at me. So, And so I really looked at social media as an opportunity to tell our story and not have to go through gatekeepers. So I have for a long time, you know, I think it was 2004, when we first started doing email correspondence to families and going direct to our families instead of trying to talk through the media or the local paper. They're an important audience as well, but go direct with your information and your stories and take out the middleman. So then when um, we got into social media, and I always say, you know, 2009 was when I took my district into a social media and we actually started with YouTube which is a later question you have, I know, but um, we actually started with YouTube. And the reason is it's the number two search engine in the world. And at the time, there were a lot of high school kids doing some pretty cranky kind of videos on YouTube. And so I really looked at it and I said, do I want that kid representing what our school is or do I want to own the reputation on YouTube? And of course, I had a great videographer working for me at the time, Jake Sturgis, who now does Cultivate Media. Uh, and so we were able to really build a fabulous YouTube channel um, that feeds into all of our other social. So I think it opened the school doors and it allowed us to show things. I'm going to go off on one more tangent, if I yeah, can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in 2002, we were um, doing a referendum for technology funding. And we built this fourth grade classroom of the future and what that would look like with the smart board and the interactive and um, trying to get our teachers to see what that could look like so that our teachers would support the referendum. And then we were doing showcase tours and bringing 10 community members in at a time. Well, fast forward to 2007 when we needed to renew or 2015 when we needed to renew that funding. You know, we now were putting videos out and sharing them on our cable channel in 2007. Maybe a couple hundred people would see them. Uh, and then we get to 2015 when we're renewing that funding and we are showing people what their dollars bought 
and it is reaching thousands uh, and getting tons of engagement. So it has given us the opportunity to really scale on our storytelling, and I love it. Yeah, you can reach so many people. And I think, you know, you you hit on a lot of things um, just in regards to owning the story instead mm-hmm. of your, you know, some crazy students or some crazy parents uh, nowadays. Um, and then also just getting support for your schools with bond or ballot issues, right, that, that you can actually show them. And for free, really, like you don't have to pay, you can pay to reach more people, but you can literally reach thousands and thousands of people um, with things that you produce yourself uh, and get that story out there. Yeah. And if we remember, you know, most people have a picture of school when they, they were in the building last and schools do not look that way anymore especially post-COVID, they won't look that way anymore. Um, And so now we've got the opportunity to, again, tell those stories open and tell people how things have changed so they're not stuck in that 70s. That was the last time I was in school mentality, what school looks like. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when we talk about social media, and as I'm thinking about as you're describing it, um, in my opinion, sometimes people get a little bit... um, overboard when it comes to social media strategy. Uh-huh. And um, and so I like to really keep things simple. My, my philosophy, Jana, is kiss is keep it simple, sweetie, because mm-hmm. uh, we keep it positive. But um, what, you know, you've worked with a lot of districts, you work with a lot of districts now in CEL and you're going into them. What do you think establishes a great social media strategy? Number one, it has to align with the goals that you have. Um, and I do think we make it too complex and we do too many manufactured Canva graphics, but that's another topic. Um, there is nothing that gets more engagement than kids smiling faces when they're doing something cool in school and they're having fun. Um, so I love the way that you're working with families and um, communities and schools to collect those stories from teachers of things going in the, the classroom, showing those great pictures on social. So it's got to be visual. But most importantly, it has to align with your district's goals or your organization's goals. So when I was in a district, we had five key message areas that we talked about. And then all of our social stories needed to support one of those five areas. So those five areas, not rocket science. Number one, student achievement. What are kids learning and doing and how are they succeeding in school? Um, Number two, student and staff accomplishments. Everybody loves to celebrate. I like to remind people it is social for a reason. It was called social for a reason. So we knew that if we put congratulations as the first word on a post, it would get lots of engagement because everybody else comes in and says congratulations. So people like to celebrate each other. Um, Number three, we did talk about fiscal responsibility um, because we were talking to our whole community. And that is was a key pillar for us. Um, It was an important pillar. Um, Four for us was technology as an accelerator of learning. How are kids using technology uh, not to entertain and play, uh, but really as an accelerator of learning? Um, And then number five was giving back to the community. Um, That service component was very important to the district that I was in. Um, And I would add, if I were in a district today, The next most important one right now would be mental health and social emotional. How are we promoting the positive? How are we inspiring with positive messaging? Um, 
you know, as we talk about mental health, uh, too many news feeds are too negative, and they just bring us down when we put all that garbage in our in our brains. Um, and so really looking at how are we providing resources or encouraging positive self-care, mental health uh, resources like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think if you can just frame your storytelling around those five or six things, and, and each school might have a little bit different of what you said, but it's pretty similar. Um, because I just think even your number one thing of showing kids learning I know. <laughs> like that's all we need is to be to see that positive news. Um, and again, so, it does look different than what it used to, right? Well, right. And it's so day to day for us, you know. We're like, it's not special. Kids are learning. We do that every day. Why do we take a picture of it? But our community needs to see that we do that every day. Exactly. And coming from, you know, I wasn't in school PR. I wasn't in education before I got into this. And I can walk into a school and I'm like, oh my gosh, we should take a picture of this and a little video of that. And, you know, and when you're in it every day, it's maybe not as magical. But when you think about those parents and those grandparents, like you said, that don't get to see inside, especially now, right? Like nobody's been traveling for the last year. And so to be able to celebrate with your, your family and your friends and, you know, um, colleagues even um, on social media, I think that's so powerful. And so keeping it fairly simple, but just making sure that you're getting those stories out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, um, you know, we talked about one more thing. Yes. Because in addition to the message pillars, um, I think we need to have lots of people contributing. And I think the idea of communicators that want to control social media <laughs> uh, is a bad idea. Uh, we need to have lots of people contributing. And that's another, you know, I know you advise clients set up a social media email where your teachers can email it. So whoever's posting has that tool um, and has lots of great content. Um, I would even go so far as it can be more than one manager that manages the account because we don't want to burn any one of us out. Um, I had a school principal that would walk around during the day, take pictures about things going on, bring it back and give it to one of the paraprofessionals in her office. And they, they would schedule a week's worth of posts. It took her half an hour on Monday morning to schedule a week's worth of posts uh, on Facebook. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've got a whole school of storytellers. And I would just go another, you know, we, we when we talk about social media, we're talking about kind of a district presence, right? And making sure that we're celebrating all the great things happening. But we are definitely at Social School for EDU, a proponent of individual Twitter accounts. I think that's the easiest for teachers to do because it's the least amount of drama, in my opinion, mm -hmm. as far as commenting. But being able to use your school hashtag and get those stories out we want to trust people um, and we definitely trust all of these you know teachers and even students and parents with kids let's trust them with you know celebrating all of the great things and uh, and you definitely um, it definitely can work in regards to having more than one social media manager you definitely need a backup too because going on vacation and still doing social media is not okay um, but yeah there are so many great things to to be able to celebrate and so that's that's good um, we we talked a little bit about referendum and bond campaigns so those are coming up 
for some of our schools in April. Um, what advice, do you have just some basic advice can you share in regards to overall communication plans and then how social media kind of fits in with those communication plans? Yes, um, I think there are three key takeaways on this one. Um, so one is that um, you have a plan strategy for social and that you have lots of repetition and I'll get to that one in a minute. Um, and that two, you're starting before the board ever pass a question to seed, to seed what's coming forward on social media. Um, and then three, that you're prepared for that rapid response um, to rumors or things that come up and being able to answer questions really on the spot. So, and the other thing that I will give everybody a big red flag on is that the 2020 election changed all advertising rules for Facebook. And it takes you a little while now to get authorized to do anything paid in relation to a referendum. So if you are not yet an authorized advertiser for your school and you've got a referendum coming up, start it now because it it's a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, and we're happy to consult on it because we've, we've helped a couple of districts through it in November. So uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, basically, Facebook in November shut every single school account down from advertising, because and maybe all businesses because it was just like protecting uh, against you know uh, the whatever uh, election fraud and and misinformation and paying, um, and so we're still getting schools unlocked. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got some experience in that too, but it's, it's challenging and yeah, think ahead in regards. And I just want to say back to when you're my Natonka days, cause one of the best, um, presentations I ever went to at Ensboro was when you guys talked about your vote yes committee yeah. and you know, there's different rules for the vote yes committee. Cause guess what? They can say vote. Yes. You yeah. can't say that as a school. And, uh, I've got a great blog. I'll just reference it because it, it really talked through some details of, how that vote yes committee use social media and other plans on, 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 uh, you know, contributing, but, um, yeah, great advice. So, so get back into, you know, some of your main points there. So let's start with the seating before it happens. So in the 2015 referendum that we did in Minnetonka, um, the board didn't pass the question until the last week of August. It wasn't a surprise. We knew it was coming. Uh, and so we had all of our plans and everything built by the time they passed the question. All the materials were ready to go, the theme, everything was done. And we had spent the whole summer doing Tonka facts. And they were all about why the referendum would be needed. It didn't say anything about referendum, but I had, um, you know, probably 28 posts over the summer that just talked about talk and facts to get people excited about the district, talk about how things were funded in the district, all of that. So that when the referendum passed or the question came in August, we had seeded all of that information and had gotten great reach. Um, the other number two, obviously, Facebook and Instagram uh, lead with video. They're going to prioritize video. So make sure you've got those videos. Um, but people are not watching. Facebook is trying to get you to upload a three-minute video and prioritize that. Nobody watches it. Um, so if you look at your analytics and data, you know that you've got to get your message out in that first 15 seconds. So be really succinct in what you want people to watch. The other thing that we found in a November campaign that we worked on was we had uh, – really probably three times the reach of the size of the community. 
Okay, so if the community was 10,000, we had 30,000 reach just on a referendum video. But we had paid to promote it. And what we also found was nobody watched it until they had seen it across their feed four and a half times. So because of the promotion strategy, we knew that um, when people actually watched the whole thing. And so people needed to see that video four, and four times across their feed before they even watched it to get the full message. And it was a one minute video. Um, so when we're thinking about that, we have to have that repetition. We're going to be tired of, of saying it. We're going to be tired of posting it. We're going to think everybody has already seen it and nobody has paid attention. And I'll share just a, this is in every part of life, every part of communication, not just social. Uh, when I was working at St. Thomas, we did a TV campaign for recruitment. And it ran from January to March, really fun. My husband and I must have seen those commercials, I can't tell you how many times, watching TV in the evening. And in about March, he says to me, hey, there's a St. Thomas commercial. And I turned to him and I said, do you know how many times you've seen that commercial? He's like, that's the first time. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> so even when we see things, we don't let it sink into our brain and we certainly don't remember and recall it. So we do have to hit that repetition and particularly on referendum messages, even if it's different pictures, that repetition has to be 10, 12, 16 times um, with the same message. So keep it simple and lots of repetition. Uh, testo uh, testimonials and endorsements are critical. Somebody in your community that is an opinion leader has to put their name and lots of someone's in your community that is, our opinion leaders have to put their name behind it, that it's a good idea and they support the referendum. So that is basic opinion leader strategy. And then this ra rapid response um, to rumors. Uh, and that is when, as a communications director, you get some late nights because you get crabby people that got on at 11 o'clock. But if you can respond and link them back to your website very politely, sorry you couldn't find that information, here's the accurate info, and respond within a few minutes, uh, you build a lot of credibility with everybody else in the community. Yeah, that's that's great advice. So I have a question for you on testimonials. Yeah. So if you have a testimonial from a area business leader that always has supported the school or has lived there for, you know, and his grandkids are now going to the school. And how can that be used as the, on the school district page without saying vote yes? Is there a, like a great, yeah. I don't I know you're not a lawyer, no, but, um, but what, what kind of advice could you give me there? So um, Ron was our community person, one of them in Minnetonka. And we had a his photo with a testimonial that said, when I looked for a community to live in, I looked for one with good schools, and now my grandchildren go here too. Okay. And, you know, I am a fan of Minnetonka schools. Okay. And it was his picture and something great about the district. And so then when anybody saw him and said, Ron, what about this referendum? He's like, of course you need to support the referendum. <laughs> and okay. all those informal communications, but just by putting his name out there as somebody that was connected and supportive of the district. So we did that a lot. We did it with realtors um, because, and the importance of property values. Uh, to the community. So anybody that you've got, and, and those relationships don't get built overnight. You cannot go in and ask somebody to put their name on the line if they don't trust you and don't know what you've been doing for the last five years. You need to cultivate those relationships over time. 
Okay. Um, I think I even have some of those kind of testimonials um, visual in the that Minnetonka Vote Yes blog. Um, but I'll look for Ron specifically and see if I can find that. I can um, send it to you. I still have it. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Send it to me so yeah. that, yeah. But I love that because we would, we think testimonial and we think, oh, they're saying vote yes. No, they're saying I looked for, you know, a, a community that has good schools because I know it's good for my kids and all my grandkids go here. And that's what you need to then basically say, hey, we're supporting. The and then I think option. Ron did show up on a postcard from the Yes Committee maybe a okay. couple later. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Oh, very good. Oh, each one of these could be just like people are like, rapidly taking notes. I hope you're not driving as you're listening to this. <laughs> you're probably going to have to come back and take a few notes. Um, so earlier we talked about YouTube and I think YouTube is, it's considered a social media channel, but I think it's the least social when we talk about, you know, uh, Facebook yeah. and Twitter and, and even <clears throat> LinkedIn and Instagram. But um, what do you think schools should be thinking about when it comes to planning out their YouTube content. So again, it's going to follow your message pillars. Um, and as often as you can, if you can get some routines in place so that you're not recreating the wheel with every video. Um, so I will talk about at Tonka Principal um, on Twitter, and he has since added an Instagram account, and I don't remember what it is, um, but he does Beyond 140. And it is everything he wants to to talk about in school that is he can't fit in 140 or 240 characters now. So it is a two minute video that comes out once a month talking about key things. And that obviously goes on the YouTube channel. It also goes native upload to every other channel. Um, and so that is one example of that. I would encourage people to look for um, when we were in technology as an accelerator of learning mode. We were doing a different technology example every month uh, and getting that out. A quick and easy one. This is so easy that anybody can do. So we were um, interim communications director with a district uh, in Minnesota and went in on the last administrators meeting in June and had each administrator bring a book that was appropriate for their grade level or their kids that they worked with a favorite book that they would recommend for summer reading did one minute videos with every, just on a cell phone, one minute videos with every administrator. I had 12 weeks worth of content uh, for social. So in those videos are very important. Um, of course, with YouTube, many districts are using it for their board meetings. Many districts are using it for official communication. You want to have the promotional communication. So school showcases, school spotlights, um, you know, what's kindergarten like today, any of those, and then specialty programs that you might want to have a niche in that you need to show visually, uh, career tech pathways, anything like that. So I think visual storytelling is what we are used to as a society. And it is well worth the investment in that video. Uh, and again, you're, we're looking at it. If people Google our district, what comes up? And if there is some goofball video that somebody made that's tagged to our district, or you've had something bad happen, you know, that's going to come up first. And we want our YouTube channel coming up before any goofball stuff. Yeah. 
I love it. Great advice. Um, and just just to go back to that batching video, I think that is so critical. So I I like to call batching right. You take you know you take thirty minutes, and you just grab each one of those principles. And so another example is like at the end of the year, you know what was the what was your favorite learning moment for the year? And you go into a classroom of first graders, and you kind of prep them, and maybe you get them separate from each other because other, otherwise they all say the same thing, Janet, right? So <laughs> you got to get them away from the other one, but just do all the videos in one day and then you can spread those out over, like you said, the 12 weeks um, and you've got 12 different stories, 12. And even if they do say the same thing, it doesn't quite matter because you're separating it out by a week. So, And we always did a senior showcase. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? What made a difference at Minnetonka High School? And who do you want to give a shout out to? great content. Yes, I love it. And uh, actually, next week's podcast is going to be talking all about senior features. So we're going to be sharing some ideas, but we'll definitely mention, you know, just a little video. It doesn't have to be long, Um, but you're showcasing different kids with different aspirations that are going to have different followers that ultimately all builds the story around your school being a great place to get an education. Um, Okay. So now we're already way over our time. So why not just go a little bit longer? Um, So we've talked about, you know, Facebook, we've talked about YouTube. What about LinkedIn? So I think LinkedIn's a great spot to connect with kind of a different audience. Mm -hmm. Um, How any insight into how schools can leverage LinkedIn? Well, certainly you need a presence. So start there, but more importantly, you need to train your leaders on their LinkedIn profile and ask them to engage once a month. You know, it doesn't take a lot, uh, but just um, LinkedIn is about a professional network so that the people you're connecting with are business leaders. The people you're connecting with are professionals that probably are not coming in to volunteer in the middle of the day in your school uh, and are often the most critical about what schools are doing. Right. And so why shouldn't we be connecting with business leaders in our community to show them? And then as leaders or teachers, um, we're talking again about what students are doing and how that contributes to the future workforce, Um, whether that is your coding and kindergarten program or your CTE program or your healthcare program, we need to start talking about our students and the things they're learning that'll contribute to the future workforce. The other thing that we do, one of our programs did, our professional studies program started a network of its alumni. What a powerful network of its alumni, especially when they're, they were all pretty much in the same fields, going into the same fields of business or healthcare, um, data analytics, any of those areas. So I think LinkedIn is very powerful. Districts really need a presence. Right now, you might use it as an HR recruiting strategy because there is LinkedIn recruiter, which is great. I don't know that it is worth a daily post by a district because nobody is going really to your district unless they're looking for a job. So look at it as um, future recruitment for talent and then reinforcing your brand and whether that's your commitment to excellence, your academic achievement, specialty programs, uh, so that you do have a presence. But then it's really about engaging professional to professional with people that don't normally come into our schools and might be really critical. 
Yeah. And I was just listening to a podcast. I mean, LinkedIn has come so far in regards, there's LinkedIn stories now and there's different things. Um, you know, there's, there's personal pages and then you can have a page for your school. I, I've got a blog that I'll link in the show notes as well. Um, but there are like over 740 million active users each month. And that has really picked up in the last year. I think especially because of the you know, people working virtually now, like they're just, this is a spot to stay connected. So I, I just, I think you're right. We, we can't ignore LinkedIn. Um, and even, it doesn't have to be every day, but even if you're posting once a week, um, whether it be your, your superintendent or a principal or as the school, getting those stories out there is important and connecting to those alumni. Yeah. Well, there are really two drivers that we need to think about behind that. Okay. Microsoft bought LinkedIn. Microsoft has a lot of money and a lot of influence, and they are driving that as a content engine to compete with Facebook or anybody else. Um, they have also put a tremendous amount of research into writing an editorial. So it is be, has a vision of becoming as respected as the Washington Post or the New York Times as far as editorial content for professionals. So we cannot overlook it. Yeah. Definitely. Um, all right. So we could talk all day, but we have to wrap this up, Janet. Um, I've got so many notes. Look at that. It's just like, it's just all scribble. When I have to try to summarize this, it's going to be like, just listen. That's what I can just say. Um, so we, we've talked about a ton of stuff just as we wrap up, what's the best social media tip? If you, if you could just leave one tip kind of with our listeners, what would it be? Social media is really about social. Build relationships. Whether it's building relationships with your brand ambassadors that will speak up for you or getting more teachers engaged to give you content, social needs to be social. It needs to be fun. And it cannot just be advertising billboards. We've got it. It's about people and it's about human connection. So make it a relationship. I love that. And that's my biggest thing when I talk to schools, and I'm sure you do too. It's like social media isn't a bulletin board of upcoming events, right. like, and just reminders. Like you want to celebrate what's going on and that showcase those relationships. And, and I think you hit on it. Um, it's, it's more than just the relationships you build on social. It's the relationships that you build in person and hopefully more and more now as we get the vaccine rolled out um, that, that more in-person stuff will happen, but that'll all feed to being able to ultimately reach more people in your community. Um, Janet, what's the best way to stay connected to you? Oh, um, well, I am on Twitter at jswitch. You don't have to know the full last name. <laughs> Nobody knows how to spell your last name. And I'm just praying that in my show notes, I get it correctly. But I, I am going off of what you submitted. So yeah. um, I'm also active on LinkedIn. It's usually the first thing I check in the morning. Um, but also, I'd love to get together for virtual coffees. So on our website, celpr.com. Um, there's an, a contact us page and we do 30 minute free consults and we'll meet you for coffee either virtually or, or in person just to talk. I love to hear what other school professionals are doing um, and the struggles they're having, the trials and tribulations and how we can support them. 
yeah, just think of what you got out of this conversation of me leading it. Just think if you got to ask your own questions for Janet and kind of pick her brain as far as what would work. I definitely think you should take advantage of that. So um, we've got the website linked in the show notes. Check out uh, what they do and take her up on the virtual coffee. Um, thank you so much, Janet, for your time. I am so excited to share this with uh, people across the country. Um, you know, what you offer the school communication community community is so admirable and I I have learned so much. Um, Just keep up the great work and hopefully I'll get to see you soon in person. I hope so. Yes, we'll we'll pray for that. But um, everybody who's listening, thank you so much. Make sure to check out the show notes and we'll see you next time. Bye, Janet. Bye. Well, that's a wrap. I hope you learned a lot from this episode of the Mastering Social Media for Schools podcast. Every week, I pick the brains of experts across the country to bring you the best tips and tricks to make your school social media shine. If you were inspired today, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And when you have a moment, please leave me a review. I just want to reach more social media rock stars like you and your reviews help. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. But before I sign off, I have one more message for you. Now, I know that you want to be a rock star social media manager for your school. And in order to do that, you actually need training and support. But I know budgets are tight. That's why I've developed a free bi-weekly email newsletter that's packed with tips, post ideas, blog articles, and more. It's everything tailored just for you, a social media manager for a K-12 school. Sign up at the link in the show notes of this episode, and I can't wait to see your name on the list.